with me or otherwise you'll be on the screen. I put some pictures up there to kind of put us in the mood. Oh yeah, okay. John chapter 10 verses 1 through 11 and it reads this way. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thieves' purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We just thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord, to bring out your word that we can learn. Father, we ask that you open up our ears. Father, the ears of our heart, that, Lord, that we can listen to your truth. Lord, that we can hear your voice and how you're speaking to us and how we can apply our lives to draw closer to you each day. Father, be with us today. Be with me. Fill me with your spirit, Father, that the words I speak be your words and that we can all learn together as a class, as a family. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. All right. You know, the, the sheepfold, you know, being, again, being a little Mexican boy who opened up, you know, who started in a Christian home, I never really learned about what a sheepfold was. So I went to actually Virginia and became a pastor there. There's a lot of farmers there and also in Kansas. And then he started telling me what a sheepfold was. And I think I have a picture up there. There we go. This is a sheepfold. You know, in Texas, we call them a corral, right? A ranch or whatever it may be. Matter of fact, I, want to, I, uh, who, I forgot who I shared this with. There was a man up in Canada who wanted to get really close to God, and he, he was in this, in this church visiting, and he saw a booth that said, talk to God. But it cost like $1.50, you know, on the phone. And he was going, what? You know, what is this? So he started coming down towards Montana, the Dakotas, and he saw the same coin machines, but, you know, they got a little less, a dollar. Then he went down to Kansas to about 50 cents. Oklahoma, 25 cents. Finally, he got down to Texas. You know, and he went to a big church in Texas, and he, he said, you know, I see these machines going around. I see one of yours, but yours is only two cents. He goes, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. He goes, over there, it costs so much to talk to God. Here, it's a local call. <laughs> so we're in God's country, okay? But we learned about the sheepfold because, again, that's one thing. I, this is where the, the, the shepherds would bring their sheep at night when they were tired, and after watching them all day, they would bring them into the sheepfold. And then he would, they would let the porter or the gatekeeper, and you'll see him lying down right there. That He was actually the doorway right there. And uh, they would keep their sheep there so they could go home and go to bed and have a good night's sleep. And they would come back and get their sheep again. But again, the fence was large enough. It was either made out of stone or high out of wood that was really high. So no, like wolves can get in there, thieves or robbers, whatever may happen. Now, the sheepfold, I, I realized, re represented the nation of Israel. You know, and that was very interesting because then Jesus telling them that he came in by the door. And I was excited about that because when you hear about Jesus coming in through the door, he says, you know what? I came in legally. I came in the right way. 
If anyone else tried to get in, they would have to go around a separate way. They would have to find jumping over the fence or try to find a little hole to get in. But I came in the correct way. My father sent me down, and, and, and that's what I enjoyed. And one thing that was so interesting, that this was a fulfillment of so much prophecy in the Old Testament. If you read the Old Testament, everything led to Jesus' birth. In Galatians 4.4, it says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. See, he came in the line of David, according to prophecy. Not only that, according to prophecy, he, he was born, but he was born of a virgin, according to prophecy in the Old Testament. Not only that, he, along with all that prophecy, he was born in a city called Bethlehem which was according to prophecy in the Old Testament. Now, here's a funny thing. It really gets interesting. By the time Jesus came, there was no more royal line. I mean, yeah, David was there. David was you know, part of it. There was no royal line. As a matter of fact, let me put it this way. David's royal line went all the way down to the level of being a peasant. There was no more... Look, ah, look where, you know, what, what's going on here. Look at the royal line. Look at the kingly line. There was nothing of that going on any longer. You see, even Jesse, he, was, he, he ended up just being the root or what they would call the branch or the stem of Jesse. That's what you always see in the Word of God. And what that man was really, when you look at Jesse, he became a farmer. He became a farmer. You know what he raised? Sheep. Jesse raised sheep. And then when David got anointed, where was David? Anybody remember where David was when they went and, you know, you think it was maybe in a palace or a nice mansion, a nice house, maybe up in Malibu or something in Calwood, California. No, no. You know where David was when they finally went out and they were going to anoint him with oil? They poured oil on him. What was he doing? He was shepherding. He was out in the field. He was living a peasant's life. Well, then here comes Jesus. He comes and he comes only as a branch out of Jesse, just a stem as a peasant. Jesus, did he come oh, with a big staff and did he come into a royal line of being in a mansion and being born in a palace? No. He came as a peasant. Jesus was just a carpenter. He was wearing a carpenter's robe. Okay? So it was that way it was so difficult for these religious leaders to see and believe in Jesus. Why? Because they expected this king to come down and to conquer. But Jesus is the king. But that wasn't the way he was to come. And that's why we're going to learn later on how blind they were in doing that. But again, how accurately prophecy has been fulfilled to all this time. So he, you know, he is the Messiah. He came in through the right door. No one, no one ever had the credentials that him as a Messiah had. You know, and if they didn't have the credentials, what do he say? If you don't have my credentials, you are what? A thief and a robber. I came into the sheepfold. I came after my sheep in the right way. If you want your sheep, you'd have to go the other way because you're just a thief and a robber. You are not the real thing. You're not, you're not the authentic good shepherd. That's what we've been studying. You know, I remember as a little boy when the milkman used to come. I'm going to give away my age here. <laughs> but I remember, I remember the, a milkman would come to our home and deliver the milk. Remember that? But he wouldn't deliver it in plastic bottles. What he delivered in? glass and it was like sparklets you put in so many bottles outside and that's how many they would leave behind and I'm you know I miss those days you know why those were the authentic days man I don't know how the young people today would even make it you know 
But this is, this is the authentic Messiah. This is the authentic Jesus. And, you know, others had to climb over the fence. Now, if you remember in the preceding chapter that Charlie spoke of last week, okay, here he is, and, he, and he's talking about Jesus who came and he healed whom? The blind man. Okay? And here's a blind man who all his life has not been able to see, and all of a sudden Jesus comes along, puts mud on his face and spit on his face, goes to say, go wash yourself. He comes back and now he can see. But yet the religious leader says, nah, that doesn't work here. And they, what did they do to him? Anybody remember? They excommunicated him. They kicked him out of the temple. All these years, it probably meant so much to him, but to be excommunicated? And nowadays, there's churches today that use that word, excommunication, if you don't do what they say. And it would have nothing to do with Jesus. It's just their way of doing things. And people are afraid of that. I call them the fear of religions every, every time I speak to someone like that. But again, these re religious rulers rejected the very man that Jesus made from blind to be able to see. You know, and these religious leaders, remember, you know, they, they got so upset with this Jesus that they even came out, out to him and they said, You know what, Jesus, are you saying that we're blind also? I love the way Jesus always responded. He always told him the truth. He says, yeah, you can't even see what I have just done. You, you don't even see the one who actually made this man see who he really is. Yes, are you asking me you're blind? You're blind. You're blind, and you, can, you, you cannot see who the real good shepherd is now. But he was. Here, here, again, he's making this chapter. Israel is a chief fold. But at the same time, Jesus is a good shepherd. Let's go to verse 3. It says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I mean, what is, you know, I, I, they call him a porter. I just say he's a doorkeeper. Remember that, that man who was lying on the door? They had no hinges. They had no doors that had hinges, or, you know, like a ranch or a corral has. He just would lay at the door. He was a doorway. He would let him in. He would let him out. Whatever it would happen with, with, with the shepherds. But here, here he, they, he comes, and the porter, who, who do you think that would represent? Jesus is a good shepherd, but who would the porter represent? Anybody have an idea? I'm talking spiritually. No, not, not the Father. No, the porter represented the Holy Spirit. The porter represented, we're speaking spiritually now, how we see this picture. See, we wouldn't be able to see it if we were blind like the religious leaders. And that's what Jesus is trying to bring out. I love the way Jesus always used pictures to put into people's minds, into their hearts, to see what he was trying to say. But the religious leaders did not want to understand that. You know, they didn't, that's why they couldn't see the simpleness of how he just made this blind man see and who he really was. So the porter is, is a representation of the Holy Spirit. It was the Spirit of God that always... Jesus didn't do anything unless the Spirit led him to do it. I'm gonna, can I say something here? I, I'm going to say, I, I like to speak truth, okay? I can't stand when people come to me and say, Jesus told me, or God told me the other day. And I go, really? God told you? You know, I had an organist in our congregation one time that I said, you know, we're going to kind of go into contemporary music a little bit more to reach the young people. He didn't, he didn't want to do that. Because see, then he, his first line was, well, God told me that this is the way it should go. So I told him right back, well, God told me to, that this is the way we should go. 
And he couldn't say a word. Because I said, then who's God's right? I, I love people who do say, the Spirit has led me to do this. The Spirit is leading me to say this. See, everything that Jesus said and did was by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's who, who this porter is. And he, he ties all this in from the preceding chapter once again. Because again, the religious leaders were not just blind spiritually. They were also deaf. They could not only see, but they could not even hear what was going on. They couldn't hear his voice. The question today that we have through this lesson is, one of, is this. What, what are we hearing nowadays? Because it's, there's so much out there that we can be blindsided. There's so much out there that can grab us, and we think it's the truth. But what are we really hearing here? Because, again, the blind man, he heard the call. He heard his voice. He was able to see. You know, James and John, Nathaniel and Philip, they heard his call. They heard his voice, and they followed him. Simon heard his call, and later on was called Peter, which meant what? Stone. You are the rock. You know, there are different people who have heard the call. Now, I'm going to digress here for a second, for a moment, because I'm going to say this. You know how we always talk about Jesus coming back someday and praise God. You know, we can't wait for that. And there's going to be a shout. Now, what, and I've always thought, what kind of shout is that going to be? Is that Jesus coming going, ah, you know? No, I don't. You know what the shout I believe is going to be? I believe, just like the blind man, I believe that Jesus is going to call out each and every one of our names. I believe when he shouts, when he comes for Dan Rangel, he's going to Dan Rangel, come on home. And that's going to be such a wonderful day. He's going to call your name out, I believe. I believe along with all the shouts of the archangels and everything else, he's going to be calling your name. You're going to hear his name and you're going to follow and say, let's go home. Because I was just passing by in this world. But let's go home to eternity, Lord. I believe that's what that shout is going to be. But again, only his real sheep are going to hear his voice. Only his real sheep are going to hear his voice. See, there was a time where even as a pastor, I was so worried and I was, I would, it would frustrate me of people who were not really hearing the message. But then I got to a point and I said, I'm not going to worry about those anymore. Because you know what? If there are people who don't want to hear his voice, it's because they are not his sheep. Because his real sheep will hear his voice and they will follow. Amen? I mean, yes, pray for them, but I'm not going to worry about them. I've got my own life to take care of that I hear his voice. You know, I pray for my family and I praise God that all my kids and my, and my wife, and they're all saved. So if I die tomorrow, praise God, I'm going to see him again. But I believe he's going to call out our names. It's going to be so awesome. You see, people who are really eager to hear the word of God, those are his sheep. Why are you here this morning? It's not because of Pastor Dan. It's not because of Charlie. It's not because of the music. It's because you want to hear the word of God. You want to grow. What can I use as a pit stop to go the rest of the week? That's why I come, to get fed. After being a pastor for over 40 years, it's nice to sit down and listen to someone to teach me and feed me. We want, you know, if we're eager, that's what's going to happen. I had a wonderful time when I, uh, opportunity when I, they asked me to go to Hungary. And I went to Hungary, no, no pun intended, 
And I, I had a great time. It was a mission where we would teach people how to speak English using the Word of God. So, you know, I was a clown of the outfit, okay, of the, you know, this group of guys. And we went out there, hey, let's put Dan, not with the experienced ones who already knows a little bit of English. You know, we'll go there. But let's put Dan with the ones who don't know a thing about English. I go, thanks a lot, guys. So I went in there, and I remember speaking to them. And I walked in, and I said, good morning, I'm Dan. And they're just scratching their hair, going, what the? So then I walked out again. I did it after three or four times. Finally, I came in. They go, ah, you know, and they go, Dan, and then they would say their name. They got the message. But anyways, this is what happened. During the week, it was only a week that we're going to be there. We're right near Austria, near the border of Austria. It was a military base, and they said, Dan, uh, can you teach a Bible study? I said, sure, sure. I said, uh, you'll start Monday and just Friday, that's, you know, that's it, we'll be leaving. I said, okay. So I started Monday. I only had about 10 kids. They were sitting in a regular classroom, you know, with their tables and the chairs and everything. By Wednesday, it had doubled in size. They were now sitting in the chairs, and it was, it was pretty much packed, 25 kids. Thursday, it tripled in size. They were standing room only. They were sitting in the aisles. They were in the chairs sitting down. On Friday, my last day, when I was teaching the Word of God again, let me tell you something. The, it was packed. It was not just on the floor and standing room only and sitting in the chairs. They were sitting on the desk with the people who were in the chairs. And there were people, there were six windows, three on each side, people sticking in their heads from outside, just wanting to hear the Word of God. When people are eager to hear the Word of God, those are His sheep. And right, right there, when I was teaching that, I thought, what the Apostle Paul must have felt. These people were eager. They were hungry for the Word. And it was so neat to be there to see that. And then I came back to the United States, and I was a little bit angry. You know why? Because I, I felt like I was sitting to a congregation, and they were just sitting there, and they didn't realize how much we had here compared to those who don't have anything. You know, it was to the point that I, you know, I had an interpreter, a girl who walked around with me in town, and there was a statue behind a bush. And behind the bush, there was a, 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 one of Hitler's soldiers' statue with a bulldog. But they had it hidden behind a bush. I said, how come it's hidden? He goes, that's a history you don't want to see, Pastor Dan. I said, really? I said, man, I feel like I, I want to take all you kids right back with me to the United States. And you know what she said? She goes, oh, no, Pastor Dan, don't worry about us. We have God. I thought, oh, my. How many, how many in California or how many in the United States could even say that when we come? Or do we panic? How many of us can say, we have the Lord? That's why I can have cancer, but to me, that's only a word. I can say, no, I have the Lord. I'm in his good hands. I couldn't be in better hands. You know? And that's, that's what people around the world are going. That's why I love Missions Week. It, it is awesome. I went to that huddle. I was so blessed. I was blessed of what Lake Point has done and is doing to this day. And my wife said, you know, it's so neat about missions. We've been in churches that are mission-oriented, and we get sick of it. Because all they, but you know what? Lake Point, she goes, they're humble about it. I said, yeah. They don't brag about it, but they give all the glory to God. You know, God is doing it all. And it was, it was just exciting. Have you ever had a time to, to 
get into a huddle like that, do it. I was so blessed. Okay, and I didn't feel good. A lot of you saw my, my email. Or my, you know, I didn't feel good. But man, did God change my whole outcome by the time I walked out of there. You know, so much that I wanted to be a missionary. <laughs> I go, man, I want to go. But then realizing you can do it here too. You don't have to go to another country. But again, the Lord said, he who has ears, let him hear. Matthew 13, 19, 13, 9. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the Holy Spirit is trying to open up the ears. Because again, there are a lot of people who heard it. Is it possible to have ears and not hear it? Yeah. There are a lot of people who can hear, but they don't hear it as the word of God. And what happens is people make mistakes. People go all over the place. But Jesus is saying, just like he, he mentioned to Isaiah, he says in Matthew 13, 14, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. And that's where he comes and he starts talking about the door of the sheep. I am the door. Look at verse 7. As he explained it to them, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Here he gives an allegory, another allegory. You see, parables were not recorded in the Gospel of John. It was a bunch of allegories and metaphors. Sort of like, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world. Okay? Here he says, I am the door of the sheep. Now here's a man, again, going back to the preceding chapter, where the blind man was able to see now but yet he was excommunicated from the synagogue. Something that he loved, but yet they excommunicate him. Jesus says, you know what? I'm the door. You might have been excommunicated from them, but you just came in through the right door now. And I'm letting you in. You see, that, that Jesus saying, I'm the door for you to come in. I'm the door for you to go out. You know, and when you go out, you're going to go to greener pastures. When you come in, you're going to be blessed abundantly. So which one do you want? Man, I want both. Great. I'm the door of the sheep. You know, and that's a great truth that we see there. In, in John 15, 5, he even goes a little bit further. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. You remember that. Now, in the Old Testament, the vines, really, it stood for and it represented the nation of Israel. But now in the New Testament, it doesn't represent the nation of Israel anymore. Because Jesus started talking about something different that people were not used to. It's called having a relationship. Having a relationship. He says, now the vine has a relationship with his people, his sheep. And my sheep are the branches of that vine. You abide in me, I abide in you. See, he drew pictures, allegories in their minds to say, look, I am the true door. And I want you to join in into the, into the branches. I want you to join in so you'll be connected to the main vine, which is my father who sent me. How many here has ever made a mistake? Yeah? When I was 19, 20 years old, I grew up in the church all my life. But I decided when I was 19 and 20 years old, I left the church. And I told my uncle, I'm going to leave the church, you know. I used to sing. I was teaching the young people the whole bit. But I, I, I left. I started surfing. I started partying. Started doing things. And then all of a sudden, I went to Colorado for three months. Left my family. I went to, I said, I'm, I'm going to make it on my own. So I went to Colorado. And I got up with the wrong roommates because the roommates wanted to party every night. Oh, we had jobs, but we'd party every night. 
all of a sudden, something happened. I got up one morning. I put on my best suit. And back then, I was saying, for some reason, I need to get, go back to church. I didn't know. I, I just, you know, I remember getting up. I put on my best suit. I was ready to walk out. One of my friends, my roommates, was going, oh, Dan, where are you going? We're going to party again, man, all day. It's a weekend. I said, no, I, I got to go. I didn't tell him where I was going. So with my new suit, I walked out, and I, I went, and I looked for a church in Colorado. It was Colorado Springs area. And I was looking for every church, and they were closed because it was really early. It was like I had to get in there quick. I don't know what was going on. All of a sudden, I found a church. It was a Lutheran church, and it had a door open. And I walked in. Nobody was there yet, of course. It was still an hour before the service, probably. And I remember sitting in the back row. And while I sat there in the back row, I thought of everything my life had been. And in front, like all Lutheran churches and what you see here, even in the church, there was a big wooden cross. When I looked at that cross, tears started coming in my eyes. I still get emotional because I remember those days. When I looked at that cross, I opened up my Bible. And this is how God works. I opened up my Bible to the very place where Adam and Eve had just sinned and they were hiding. And I saw the words just pop out at me. It said, where are you? It was like God was saying, Dan, where have you been? You used to sing in my church. You used to teach the young people. Where have you been? Come on back, son. I need you. The very next day from Colorado, I drove back to California, left my roommates, got back with my family, started going to church, and ever since then, I've never left again. Something I've always believed that maybe with a Baptist, when you wear a tie, that's why you wear a tie. God grabs you by the collar. <laughs> you know. But here, here's the thing. We might have made a mistake in our life. And there's a lot of young people, a lot of older people who make mistakes. We kind of get driven away. Something gets us away from God because maybe someone passed away or something. We, we let the distractions get in our ways that we just say, I've had enough of church. I need to get away. But if you are his true sheep, someday you're going to come back because you've heard his voice before. You know, it's like children who go to the toy shop, toy center, around Walmart, whatever it may be. When they hear mom's voice, they know who mom is. I've seen it at potlucks, even with older people. I've seen the mom sitting. When they hear their baby cry, each of them know what their baby cry sounds like, and they go. And I come back with that question that the Lord is probably, you know, even whenever we hear the word of God being preached, he's calling out to each and every one of us. He's calling out to each and every one of us because he is the doorway. He is the voice that we need to hear, and we will recognize that door. You know, and let's go to verses 9 and 10. He says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastors. The thief's purpose is not to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Some of you have abundant life. And I love that word even better. See, what Christ is saying here to the, to the religious leaders, he's talking, speaking to the religious leaders this whole time. He goes, I'm the way. I'm the only way. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. You want to come in? I will let you in. If you want to go out, I will let you in to greener pastures. I want everyone to have an abundant life. No matter who you are, what you've been through, let me tell you something. I don't, let me, you may be a religious leader, he would say. 
and you know all the scriptures. You're from Moses and on. You know all the Bible. You know the scriptures up to the New Testament. But probably Jesus in that day would say something like this, just like I saw on Facebook this day, this week. It says, you know, it's good to know the scriptures and the Bible. What's even better is to when you get to know the author. And that's what he was telling basically in a summary of all this chapter to the religious leaders is saying, look, you couldn't even understand a simple miracle like the blind man. You're not only spiritual blind, but you're spiritually deaf. You're not hearing me. You don't comprehend what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to do. I am the door of the sheep. I am the doorway. I'm the only way you can have eternal life. The only way you can have salvation. The same message that we've heard in so many different ways, but yet it points to one person, and that's Jesus. And that's what, what he's sharing with us here, because again, we, it's, it's a good way to really, when he talks about the thief, he only comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He says that's a good test that we need to even test our churches, test religious organizations. You know, is it just a religious racket, or are they trying to get rich from it? You'll see many of them on television. Is it really about me or is it about them? Is it about getting a jet plane because they say that God told them that you didn't have a jet plane? Or is it to be a missionary and to go out and to help those in Kenya and to give and to go? Is it about me? Because again, that's a good way. You know, Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd. I'm not like one of those thieves and robbers. I'm here. I'm only here for one purpose, and that is to save sinners, to give your life so you can have abundant life. You know, I love John chapter 10, and I, I put a little uh, brief review of the whole ch- passage here for you that you can look up later on. But then I, I started asking myself questions. I had to go to verse 11. They told me to just go to verse 9, but I had to go to verse 11 because I, this is really how it closes. Verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. You know, then I started wondering, I said, how can Jesus be the door and the shepherd at the same time? How can he be both at the same time? Because actually, like I mentioned before, there was no door with hinges on it. If you notice a porter, the, lead, the person who was at the door, he just laid down in the way of the door. So if anybody was trying to get in, they'd disturb him and he wouldn't let them in. Or if there was a wolf, he could hear him and wake up right away. Jesus, I'm that door. I'm here not only to save you, I'm here to protect you during your life. I'm here to love you and care for you, no matter what you go through. And that's how he's done in my life and how I've been blessed and how I love to share with others. I don't care who they are. Even the business that my son and I have today, I mean, across the counter, man, I have met so many people who they know Christ, but there's so much out there that they've gone in different directions. But once I tell them about who the good shepherd really is, whoa, then they come to the truth. And now they just keep coming. They just keep coming. And I wonder if it's really for the shakes or it's really to hear the word. <laughs> but I love it. I love meeting people. I'm not, I'm not going to be ashamed of, of telling people who the good shepherd is. I'm not going to be ashamed of who the gatekeeper is. I'm not going to be ashamed to tell them what Jesus can do for them. You know, that's why we had the first time, you know, any shake shop has had down here. You know, I had Christian night where I just played my guitar, sang some Christian songs, let the public come in if they believe or not. But I'm, you know, I'm going to tell them who I believe in. 
through, through the songs. And it, was, it came out to be a blessing. But again, he uses a lot of metaphors here. He is the door. He's also the shepherd. He will take care of us. He's the one who gives us eternal life. He's the one who protects us, he says. He is a, you know, he's also the Lamb of God who sacrifices life for others. He sacrificed his life. How many of our friends can actually say, yeah, I'll, I'll give up my life for you? Jesus did that willingly. He could have turned away and walked away, whatever, you know, but no, he came down. He identified himself with us. Why? Because we are his sheep. He is the authentic shepherd. See, the lamb emphasizes the humanity of Jesus Christ. Being a shepherd emphasizes the deity of Christ. But here, all together, let me tell you something. He's the only one who was worthy and able to do what he did. He was the only one. No other human being could have done this. So it only comes down to one conclusion to me, and that is he had to be God. And that's who I believe in. You know, who's our real shepherd? Well, that's your choice. Not mine. I can't, I can't prove it to you. But I know one thing, who my Jesus is. He's my shepherd. He's my lamb. He's my door. And I'm here to show others the way, the same way. And so as all of us have the same thing going on. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We just thank you so much. Father, we thank you for your word. That is so clear, Father, in the way you speak to us in pictures and parables and metaphors and allegories. Father, it's only because you love us. You want us to understand. Father, we thank you for sending the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, your son. The lamb who came to save sinners and gave his life so willingly for each of us. Father, we thank you for our salvation. Father, help us now to take this word and not to be ashamed, but to share it with others. Others who are hurting, those who are lost. Father, we thank you again for this class and for each other, our family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.